Hello and welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by makeup artist and best-selling author Ray Morris. Now, this is episode one, which is about as exciting as it is terrifying, and my chat with Ray really felt like the perfect conversation to launch things with, as for some years now, Ray has been a bit of a good omen for me, which is something that we do discuss in this interview at about the happy halfway point. I sat down with Ray in Sydney's Paddington to discuss how Naomi Campbell, at the height of her notoriety, gave Ray her big break. We also talked about a 180-year-old Japanese master of craft and the Fibonacci sequence. Ray launched her namesake brand of makeup brushes in 2012, which I firmly believe are the best makeup brushes that money can buy. And in the last month, she also launched a setting powder, which is straight up the best thing I've ever put on my face. But prior to that, Ray held the role of global makeup director for L'Oreal Paris for 10 years. That is the longest that anyone has ever spent in that role. So if there's anything to be learned about beauty, this is the woman to learn it from. So obviously we know you as a makeup artist and you are the woman behind my favourite brushes ever. Thank you. But you got your start in hairstyling. Now I yes. want to rewind a little bit. A lot. <laughs> you were, decades ago. <laughs> you were a tomboy growing up on a yes. farm. What yes. did you think you were going to be when you grew up? A vet. A vet. a vet and what it was because every animal I seemed to get every doll I got I'd cut its hair every animal I got like a horse I would cut its mm. hair perm its hair color its hair I but what I think it was I actually wanted to be a hairdresser but right. I thought it was a vet it's just that the animals had lots of hair so yeah. I thought the animal was the attraction but I think it was hair that was the attraction so is that sort of your first memory of beauty yeah hairdresser yeah I, I never on myself though like I wasn't someone who put lots of makeup on I was a bit more mm-hmm. of a tomboy but just loved like I remember dad fell asleep and I got bleach and bleached legs hairs on his legs and I used to sit and braid mum's hair so I was always playing with hair right. um, yeah so how did you go from there to actually Okay. Working in hairdressing. Okay, so then I got a job at a salon on Saturday morning called Tea and Tidy Girl. Thurs- yeah. It was like Thursday night, Saturday morning. Yeah. But I was only 11. 11? 11 years old. So oh, I, mum was a gym instructor, so it was right next to the gym. Yeah. So it was safe that I was there. But it wasn't until I had like my 13th birthday and a card, <laughs> I say a cake was sent, my mum sent a cake and this boss was like oh my god how are you how, how old are you and I said 13 she's like you've been here for two years illegally can't employ you anymore but unfortunately well fortunately the taste of hair was there so then I lied again and went to a salon <laughs> and said I was 16 it was a Stefan in the Queensland you had to be 16 and I said I was only 14 and got a job and became a hairdresser were you still at so, school during all of this do, right up well I I started because my birthday's in December yeah I was um 14 turning 15 when most of the kids were 15 turning 16 right. it was a bit weird yeah. like that. so I was um I went to grade 10 mm-hmm. and then I I think I was then I started my apprenticeship straight after that amazing and then how long did you work in hair for um oh my god long time I was in oh 10 years I think and then mm. I um had my own salon and bruisement and I actually had carpal tunnels in both of my wrists really so I couldn't cut oh, like cutting god. and holding a hairdryer was so painful for me it so then I be. then I makeup was just something I just fiddled didn't think I'd be very good at it. Um, 
yeah, so I kind of became more of a salon owner and that kind of thing for a little bit. I hated it. Absolutely you hated, hated it. it. I hated it. I hated I there was no one like me, I felt. Like in the salon, people's biggest dreams were what they were gonna do on the weekends. Like right. I was Cleveland, Brisbane, I was all about finding who Vidal Sassoon was or learning yeah. about I want to be this famous hairdresser. Not not famous. No, I want to be that good. That's what I wanted to be. But everyone else was not on the same page. It right. was more about boys and partying. And so I just felt like I was a bit of a loner. So I never enjoyed it. Right. Yeah. Now it's 1993. Yes. You were working in Istanbul. Yes. And your big break yes. came courtesy of one of the biggest names. Yes. In the world. Thank you, Naomi Campbell. One minute of her life that she never remembers that completely changed mine. So I was accompanying an amazing, gorgeous uh, Brisbane girl who had Afro hair. And mm-hmm. me being the whitest person you've ever seen, <laughs> only wanted to, I, all I wanted to be was to be black. I wanted to be Coco from Fame and Mary Leroy, had my hair braided. Only yep. kid with, I had black cabbage patch kid. All my dolls were black. I just loved the culture, the music, the hair. Yeah. And this Australian entrant who was Mauritian um, mm-hmm. had Afro hair, said, will you come with me? To this pageant, it was the same pageant. Donald Trump runs those pageants. Oh, yeah. oh that guy. Yeah, that, that guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of great people came from that pageant. But um, mm. yeah, so I was just doing delegates' hair, VIPs, blow drying yeah. hair. Her makeup artist and her had a tiff, um, and she just looked at me and said, "Fix my lips." I had no makeup training at all, but I glanced over. There's a massive pair of lips and a clear lip gloss, and I thought I can't go too wrong. And I, just I mean, and you're not going to say no to Naomi. I was too ter- terrified to, especially in the no. early '90s. That's when she peak. used to beat people up. Yes, yeah. so you know better than to say no. Yeah. So then, uh, I mean, w- were there press? Were they taking everywhere? Photo? And it was right. before the internet even existed. Is that sad? Like, there was no Instagram. There was no a simpler like, time. Yeah, there was no internet, so that was so sad. But um, so I came back, and that photo was like in all the European papers mm. and then I came back and started to be known as this international makeup artist and because I was just so insecure and nervous I was always a, not that I was just a big liar I was too <laughs> scared to say no to things so yeah, I just I went that. okay I'll, I'll give this a go sure and off I went so you've come back to Australia and you're being heralded as this international yes. makeup artist to the stars how different was your life once you came back to um, Brisbane quite different my first big claim to fame was um, I remember Tafe wanting me to teach makeup during the school holidays ah. from this and I, I remember it was like $600 for the week and I never even earned that much as a yeah. hairdresser and I remember turning up thinking oh yeah the kids from school and mm-hmm. hairdressing back then you do a day of makeup you have a basic understanding yeah. and um, I remember turning up and Tafe had flown in all their educators from around the country right. for two weeks with me Oof. for an advanced um, fashion makeup course who I've never done makeup never had a day of training in my life wasn't mm-hmm. even working as a makeup artist mm-hmm. so I literally manipulated a group of 30 people mm-hmm. didn't demonstrate a thing said okay let's let's everyone do an eyeliner so we can see where we're all at and i yeah. would find the person who was doing the best eyeliner watch and learn steal their ideas share them as they were my own yeah. and then get that person to teach the whole class what they just did so i manipulate and taught myself makeup during I mean, this it's course genius it's yeah fake pretty it much. You make it now yeah. i know that you spent some time training under david bowie's makeup richard Shara. what yes. was that like he was to this day okay this is a colorblind man who passed away over 10 years ago he's colorblind could not tell the difference between green and red so i thought it was a trick question and but what i learned because he was completely colorblind i know and (laughs) but what i loved about learning from him like he i think it kind of benefited him a little bit Mm -hmm. because 
he was all about shading and toning and contouring yeah. because colour didn't influence him. It was more what the face did with light and um, and I was one of his last students. Funny enough, though, because David Bowie filmed Let's Dance on part of it on Stradbroke and Morton Island and I was living there and remember oh the crew God. being there. Yeah, so it's this yeah. cross of paths and I, I, I mean I used to collect his makeup work and mm. cut out the pictures from Vogue, Italian Vogue, and put it all over my makeup kit. It wasn't until I was on a, how could you believe this, a kid's bambini shoot that his godmother was the stylist who said, are you a fan of Richard Shara? And I went, I didn't even know who this was, oh but my this is God. my favourite makeup artist in the world. She said, I know him, he lives in Sydney, and he teaches now, and... It was I, the first oh, day I met him. Serendipitous. Oh my god! The first day I met him it was a nine o'clock start. I opened the door, and it was ten to nine. He, he opened the went, "You're early." Slammed the door. <laughs> so I came back at like one minute past nine. He said, "You're late." Oh and my god! Late. And that was it. Yeah, it was amazing. So all of your, I guess, training was kind of on the go. You didn't go through the formal. No, I only, well, trained with him. I only had 24 hours of training. Jeez. It's all I ever did. And then I assisted Dottie, who taught me so much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it, it's funny, actually. I, I'm i kind of glad I didn't do a course. I still look, mm-hmm. I still recommend some courses. Even if it's a bad one, sometimes it's good because it's forcing you to do touch yeah. faces all day. And if you're clever and if you have a good eye, which you can't really teach people that, um, you'll know what's right and what's wrong. And yeah. even learning a bad technique, at least when you learn a good one, you can compare it to something. Yeah. So, yeah, I've only had 24 hours of, of training. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, by the world's best makeup artist, yeah. I thought. So I was very lucky. Yeah, I mean, that's worth years yeah, of training. Yeah, totally. Are there any real, like, highlights from that early period that you can um, remember? Yeah, the, I mean, me, uh, oh, my goodness, many. Um, oh, geez. I mean, I remember one of my favourite moments. I was lucky enough to work backstage on the Dior show in Paris and – it was when John Galliano was there and the question they said to him, you know, everyone comes to you for inspiration, mm. but like, where do you go to? And I remember hearing this thing that basically changed my whole life. Mm. He said, I never reference a reference. I go straight to the source. Oh. And I remember You him, can almost hear that. Yeah. And voice. what I love was that, you know, that was the Egyptian show and the whole crew had been to Egypt. So I love the fact that from a very early on moment, I had this thing in my head that if I want to do a makeup on, say, the 1940s, mm. instead of referencing a magazine that referenced a reference, I'd go and watch 1940s films. Like I, I was yeah. trying to plug in and do go where they went for inspiration. So the things like that, um, Pink Tour, that was one of my early days. Naomi, Ke- Naomi Campbell, um, Kelly Rowland asked me for an autograph. Oh. That was exciting. I need to sign a I book. met her a couple of weeks ago at the Logies. She's heaven. She's heaven. Another so example heaven. of how it's not hard to be nice. No, it's But it not. is a pleasant surprise yeah. when people are. I've met, can I be honest, I've mm. met more divine, and I'm talking not, not mean, mean, um, drop the mic, the most beautiful human beings in my mm. job. Like I've met people that, that I, just, I am so lucky that I've even met them. Forget what they do and how yeah. they do it, but just as people, they've just been incredible. So That's I never nasty. have those nasty people. So what's the gossip? I don't have any. I've got gossip how nice that. people are. I don't have any gossip. That's better. None. That's much better. I know the nice people. Now, naturally, everyone's story and I guess their path is going to be different to yours. And you did kind of just touch on this with training. But what would your advice be to anyone who wants to break into this industry and okay. sort of a emulate few things, your career? A f- couple of things. First mm-hmm. thing, I would, the mantra I live by is what would you do or attempt to do if you knew for sure you could not fail? First I love one. that. Second one, would you be doing this job if you weren't being paid and no one was watching you? Mm-hmm. So you don't have an Instagram. Would Is it that much inbuilt in your – because yeah. to do what we do, it has to be 
not about the money. It mm. has to be not about the money. And the other thing is, I'm not only eat, drink, and breathe makeup, but look at the world's best makeup artist. Like, I believe you come, you become the kind of artist by what you look at. Mm-hmm. So if you you got to indulge yourself in French Vogue, Italian Vogue, Citizen K, look at the Val Garlands, Peter Phillips, Pat McGraths. If Instagram's a very separate job and that's a different career and yeah. great if you want to do that you can easily log on and see what they do mm-hmm. but to do what we do you have to find the masters um, and just indulge because I believe that the better the quality of artists you look at the more better artists you become mm-hmm. and even another thing I would try and do too is try and be the weakest link on the shoot like I I love when I'm doing a collaboration or shooting I want to be the weakest link because Mm -hmm. one thing I've learned that when your team is amazing and everyone's better than you are yeah like I can do I've had many a time where I've had a makeup and I've done like a simple thing maybe it's a Vaseline on eyelid yeah and the photographer will take that and take a shot and it will be goosebump tearing up a piece of art you want to hang on your wall mm-hmm. because if they if it ends up how you expected it to I become disappointed so right. when you have a team that is so incredible they'll take whatever you do and make it 10 times more amazing and that's mm. what I think can make you a superstar and one other thing in this industry with Instagram and everything if you want to be in this industry as a beauty makeup artist mm-hmm. be appealing to women not to men yes because 99% of the, your clients and people you are selling to in the editorial flashlight are mainly women yeah I'm glad you mentioned Instagram because yeah. I will get on to that in yeah. a moment as it I love stands good <laughs> so do I as it stands you are the longest serving makeup director for L'Oreal Paris Australia so you were worldwide there globally ten, globally um, yeah. so the oh, longest one I think God. was six years I was ten, um, ten signed but I was with them for 13 but I signed Amazing. for 10 yeah so how did that partnership come to be um, I decided to leave and I decided to leave when they really loved me because I had this vision of okay there's going to be a time that maybe they're going to put wheelchair ramps in because I'm <laughs> 40 years later I'm still there I just wanted to go on a high yeah two I loved it so much but I it not only did it give me so much I also sometimes I was unable to do some things mm-hmm. for example Paris all the fashion weeks internationally yeah. coincided with launches and it was right. at a time where as an artist I didn't want to stay stagnant mm-hmm. I wanted to push myself and I thought 10 years is a very long time. Yeah. Now I've got to just see how far I can go internationally. And, and yeah, so that's why I decided to leave. I, told, I didn't let them find me. I decided to <laughs> go. go. On very, high. Very, yeah, go on a high. What are some of, I guess, the biggest learnings from that period? L'Oreal is obviously a massive yeah. global company. Yeah. What did you take away from that experience? I learned about the, the business side, but also a great artist knows when to put the brush down a great mm-hmm. to be a good artist you've got to know who you're selling to yeah like even even if you look at international shows makeup hair and makeup for a Prada campaign is very different for hair and makeup for a Versace campaign mm-hmm. and so you've got this very glamorous you know the Beyonce's Halle Berry um glamorous makeup brand with affordable makeup that you have to make of women wanting to buy but inspiration it's probably the hardest job mm-hmm. that's why I loved it yeah because it sits in a very dangerous you know, you, you don't want to be too commercial. You don't want to be too arty. You don't want to be... So it taught me, um, oh, my goodness, so much. And also it taught me how to let go of ego. Like it taught me that, you know, if they want to bring out a blue rainbow eyeshadow, I have to make that blue rainbow eyeshadow look amazing or work. Mm-hmm. Not, I don't like that, I won't use it. So yeah. it, it, all your comfort gets taken away from you. It strips you down yeah. and you have to make it work whether you want it to or not. So you do grow as an artist big time. Mm-hmm. 
Now, it was during your time at L'Oreal that you released your first book. Now, yes. I wanted to talk about the books for like semi-selfish reasons. Because okay. I, I think, have one for you, by the way. Oh, stop yes. it. I think they're a good omen for me because I was writing for L'Oreal years and years and years ago. Oh, okay. And I didn't tell anyone that I had been approached and I didn't tell anyone that I'd submitted a test piece. And then one of my girlfriends called me when I was out and said, I've left a present at your front door for you. I saw it, thought of you immediately. And it was one of your books. No way. And then the next morning, got the job. So in my head, wow. I'm like, these so books are a good omen. Wow. So wow. 2008, you released yeah, your I think, first oh book? Oh, God, I can't remember. I honestly can't remember. At what point did you go, okay, I've got to put all of this in writing? I didn't. What happened? It was kind <laughs> of like, no, it's kind of funny how it happened. The publishers approached me and these mm-hmm. women, two women from Allen and Onwen had been at the Marie Claire, you know that at Fashion Week in Melbourne, Marie yes. Claire had a workshop. Yeah. So I used to do those workshops and those women were in the audience and thought, oh my goodness, what, what she says, she should write a book. And they approached me and I, and, but their ideas, we never met in the office. Mm-hmm. We always met at some daggy cafe and their ideas were very, you know, like stick it to the back of like a TV week paper it just wasn't what I wanted to do so I said no twice Mm -hmm. and the third time we went back again and asked me the same questions and I was getting a bit annoyed and I'm like because you know you even successful I I don't read I'm dyslexic have you written anything I may have heard of and the woman said well my daughter has um Shantaram, I think it was Shantaram and there was Lord of the Rings mm. and I was so embarrassed that I even and but at the time I was around a lot of um, successful musicians yeah. and I remember being told that to be approached by a publisher it's like Sony Music turning up to your house saying here's yeah. a record deal so I thought I'll do it it'll never sell um, <laughs> and I think doing it without the only thing I look only thing I don't like about the books I didn't I love the writing wouldn't change the theory of them Mm -hmm. at all the images though like I had 10 days to do the first book really and I had no control and some of those makeups like oh really and I still to this day I don't understand why it's done like it's in three languages it's it's gone bestseller over I've lost count over 10 times um it's still the highest selling beauty book every year um So I find it amazing um, that it did so well. And I did. I wrote three books, but then I self-published my last one. The last one is how I wanted to do yes, it. Yes, and so it's amazing. I'm proud of that one. It's it As took you should be. two years. Supposed to take six months. Yeah, it's, and it's written on the Fibonacci sequence. There's actually a science to beauty that I had this great job with ASAP Australian Society of Plastic Surgeons. Mm-hmm. I teach. I sit on a board with plastic surgeons yeah. and lecture about beauty. And they teach plastic surgeons the Fibonacci sequence, the science of mm-hmm. beauty, when you do a woman's face. Because if you make a woman's face look more phi, P-H-I, yeah. she'll be the most beautiful version of herself. And I thought there has wow. to be something. I have to teach women how to do makeup with the phi mm. sequence. It's very technical, very scientific, but it's act- people like Aston Martin, um, does Apple Mac use Fibonacci design their products. And even wow. in a tribe, if your baby was born with a face that measured phi, you would survive more over babies that didn't. So it's actually embedded in our wow. brains that we find someone's face who measures phi more attractive, no matter your race, age or gender. So yeah, there's a whole science to beauty, which I love. That's why it took me so long. Very fascinating. This is the science part of it that I'm not, I love the science of, you know, product development and all of that, but. It's so oh. like then how I did it because I thought I can't change someone's face shape, but there's faces that are universally beautiful. So yes. what? So if you measure phi, you're more attractive, no matter if you're male, female, gay mm-hmm. or straight, what race, wherever you're from. So faces like Marilyn Monroe, Haley Berry, 
Angelina Jolie. Yeah, Jolie um, was the first one that popped yeah, into Yeah, Brad head. Pitt, their university fight. Aston Martin designed their cars on the Fibonacci. Oh. The Sydney Opera House was designed. Every Leonardo da Vinci painting measures to a millimetre fight. All the pyramids measure to a millimetre to fight. It's incredible. It's amazing. So I went back to my clients who I've done their makeup multiple times mm. and said, send me the favourite makeup that I've ever done of you. Yeah. And I measured the eye makeup. It was fight every single time to the squillimeter so then i went back through makeups that women love so i looked from people from kim kardashian back to mm-hmm. Marilyn monroe to my book designer had did his thesis on fabonacci randomly and the we went through this and we're just like ways. so what i can do if I, so for example i can teach you how to do a smoky eye or an eyeliner but yeah. is that the best tool some eyeliners will make a rounded eyes or droopy yeah i've got to teach you how to do eye makeup to lift your eye shape so for yeah. example with rounded or droopy eyes you line under the eye not on top this explains why eyeliner looks bizarre on, yeah me. because but you know what's so interesting with you looking at me you've got a beautiful rounded lid a straighter bottom lid you uh-huh. get the lift from what you do under your eyes not you on go. top you know like tight ponytails girls, yeah. you know why women love tight because it pulls it lifts everything underneath yeah. up. if i lift your eyebrows i'm not lifting your eyes if yeah. i lift from underneath your eye yeah. i've lifted so you do under eye first mm-hmm. join the top eyelid to the bottom if i've got a hangover high ponytail exactly. straight away and under eyeliner suits everyone there you go yeah now something that you've just sort of glossed over that i think is amazing you've written six books and you're dyslexic yeah no i do record pretty much what you're doing here i had a microphone mm-hmm. and taped them um my ghostwriter she didn't the thing with my ghost ghostwriters get a bad rap because she ghostwriter what she did she i didn't want her to change the way i spoke at yeah. all she told me she took out i think Shit was 150 times <laughs> in the first, I think. And she said, oh, she's never heard more swear words. So her basic job was to take out all my swear words. That was yeah. it. Um, and so I had to record it and then had yeah. to be typed out because I'm so dyslexic. So I still, when people say author, I'm like, are you talking about me really? Yeah, it's bizarre. But they're, they really are amazing books. But I did it, you know what, because I had nothing to lose. My husband always says to me, the best things you ever achieve is when you are you have no fear. Because yeah. I am scared of everything. I'm terrified of everything. Um, and the first thing, I check the news 20 times a day to make sure the world's okay. Like, yep. it's pretty crazy. But um, if the things that I've walked in on and gone, I don't care if I get this or not, yep. are the best things I've ever. Because I'm not scared of, yeah. I take fear out of the equation. Now, you've said for a long time that a makeup artist is only going to be as good as the tools that they're using. Now, you have your own line of brushes, yes. which we'll get to, but before you launched the brand, you were getting your brushes custom made yes. for your kit. Always, yeah. Oh, I did. I found a couple of brush makers and I found a Korean man that mm-hmm. I met through iMats and he would just help me get these calligraphy shape points that I needed. Yeah. Um, and then what happened was I started getting requests from other makeup artists and models. Mm-hmm. And then it was just so I used to make a few more, a few more. And then we were going to go straight to Japan and the tsunami had hit just then. So it was oh, bad. Yeah, yeah, everyone said you can't. It was awful. So we found, I found the best makers I could who were Korean, who yeah. were based in Shanghai. Um, and yeah, it started organically from there. It was never meant to be a brand. It was just meant to be, hey, makeup artist, here we go. But the reason I needed, the calligraphy brushes, um, they blend for you. They, mm-hmm. There's a difference between a calligraphy brush and a makeup brush. Right. Um, and the calligraphy technology just makes you not have blended edges. And then what happened, I put a magnet in it. Can't believe no one thought about it earlier. So I was the first one to do I that. I was going to ask about this. Did yeah. that... I feel like I read this somewhere. That sort of stemmed from being backstage at yeah. Fashion Weeks and you've got 
the tiniest amount yeah. of workspace, but you need to pack that yeah. many brushes on. And also it. hygiene too. Like, you know, they slip over and then you've mm. got so many different skin tones. You can't let one brush touch one eye to another eye. Yeah. Some have got black hairs. You don't know if they're clean or dirty. Yeah. So the whole thing about standing up was, yes, this is the bench space. Two, in transit, if you're traveling with them, yes. if they turn upside down in your kit, they're not going to fall and squash. Mm-hmm. So the magnet holds them down flat. Um, but also for hygiene. So when you put them down, they're not resting or hitting powders or blush or yeah. bath bathroom water or all that kind of stuff and um and then when I started to get copied I got copied by one of the biggest um I think one of the biggest bloggers in the world her name's Pony she's Korean mm-hmm. I think she's got 2200 million something crazy and we woke up one day and I'm famous in Korea and I thought what, what's happened here and she's copied my not and she copied it exactly mm-hmm. not a great version all synthetic yeah but claimed it was her idea five years after mine and I know that I was the first one because we have a, we had a patent pending and yeah the, of course and when we challenged it we did find someone put a magnet into a hairbrush in 1988 in Massachusetts Mm -hmm. never proceeded with it and we were going to buy the patent so we could have it global Mm. but then my husband said we're going to be in court all the time and Chanel can't stop it Louis Vuitton can't stop it because a lot of them have popped up since as with any great idea it trickles through but I'm surprised more people haven't but what Mm. we did is I said I have to do something that no one can copy. I have to drop the mic. What can I do? How can I become the Bugatti Veyron of makeup brushes? And, and this thought, is when we took it to Japan. We took it to Japan. Yep. I had to find the best brush maker. And on my my search, not only did I find the best one, I found mm. the only living one. Because in Japan, to make to be a master of craft, which is only four you have ever been awarded, you only can be a samurai sword maker or a calligraphy wow. brush maker. There's only two left alive in the world. One's 108 years old. So I'm assuming you didn't go with the No, we didn't go with him. Yeah. So I had one option. <laughs> took me four years back and forth, back and forth. And where where the confusion was, he said, but I do calligraphy brushes. They take 70 steps to make one. I'm like, yes, that's what I want. Yeah. Um, 70 uh, steps. Yeah, How so many steps are in just your standard? Okay, so like a $2 cheap brush from a pharmacy, yeah. one to five. <gasps> High expensive brush, mm-hmm. 10 to 20. Yeah. Calligraphy, 70. Mine start at 52. So the the and and the weight like and what a calligraphy brush does why they're so different calligraphy brush is meant to pick up one brush heavy black paint yeah. straight to a white canvas and that artist with one stroke has to create perfectly small thick thin with different pressures change the stroke yeah. without lifting their pen up at all no edges Amazing. to blend perfection so what a make what I wanted to do is get a brush you don't have any edges to blend so with half the strokes your makeup is blended twice as fast. Because the edges, you put product on the tip, hint of pressure, blends for you. And I also think you're getting a piece of history. This is a last living yeah. master of craft. He's never made a brush for anyone outside his own, and especially a Westerner. Yeah. And because his sons are, are growing up and they know that in Japan writing, kids don't write anymore. It's yeah. all on keyboards. And they're like, come on, Dad, we've got to do this. So thank goodness for them. They helped me. Um, push him over the line so now his family business make my brushes well I was going to ask I mean with two in the world yeah. how how did you even find him well funny enough I'll give her a little plug she's amazing Sonia from uh, she has a uh, she's in Switzerland mm-hmm. and has a blog Sweet Makeup Temptations yeah. now what she did and how I found out about her she create, curates very high end hard to find one of a kind makeup brushes she's yeah. got over I, I would guess at least a half a million dollar brush wow. wardrobe like she buys brushes at uh 20 to a hundred thousand dollars this woman yeah incredible and she um wow. did my first range and then like the lowest brush she would create c- 
curate, sorry, is Tom Ford. So everything's above. Like it's hard to find one of a kind. And she loved – she didn't give my first range and she was honest. She gave two brushes the best she's ever found, but the other two – um, she even helped expose us because one of the brushes we were told was 100% recycled bamboo because mm-hmm. I want to keep all the hippies happy in. and yep. one of them wasn't <laughs> and thank God she got onto it so we we could wow. fix that she'd take the wood and break it apart and she was incredible um, she just released her own brush range which is amazing by the wow. way um, and she because she went to Japan and had mm-hmm. special trips I asked her I said she said look I, I've done a story there's, there's a master of craft and there's a brush festival and he's like, he's very humble, his own psyche farm. It doesn't always come out, but his name's Mr. Waymutz. You can go, I don't know, how can I introduce him? And then yeah. it was like, yeah, back and forth, back and forth. But I think because she'd been buying, thank touch wood, by, been buying brushes from him for so long, she had a relationship with yeah. him. And she, her and I, we just got on really well. She'd buy, she'd not ask for anything for free. She'd buy all her own brushes and do a wow. review. And I trusted her reviews too. So she did a personal intro, intro and I think that was the, the key. So yeah. Sonia, Sweet Makeup Temptations, <laughs> I love you. It was because of her. Amazing. Yeah. So from your end as opposed to that of the brush maker, how do you design a brush? How do you decide how um, it looks, what it needs to do? I just want the function to me look, I mean, I thank God they just happen to look beautiful. If they yeah. looked ugly, we did the job, I'd have them ugly. I don't care. Yeah. It's about, so it's very simple because you have you have certain, like for example, you need this, you've got to have brushes that, um, don't hold product. So you need yeah. a synthetic brush because synthetic, what they do is they pick up product, but all of it goes on the face, like yeah. eyeliner, concealer, lips. Things like eyes, do you want socket? Do you want rounded edges? Do you want stri- – you know, everything is so precise. Mm-hmm. And what how I've made mine different, the way I explain it, it's like shoes. So, for example, if I've got a blush brush, yeah. you might have a tiny face – Mm-hmm. You might have a very large face. Yes. The size of your cheek determines also how much weight is on your face. Yeah. So trying to pick up one size blush brush, it's different. So yeah. like the Japanese, they love really tiny, tiny cheeks. To make your face look slimmer, you make your cheeks look smaller. Yes. So I've designed. So if you went in and bought a cheek brush, I've got one for small to medium faces, one for larger faces. I have the chipmunk face, so, so I would be going for Because what, yes. wa- what you want is one brush minimum strike. So for yeah. eyeliner, there's three sizes that women normally do. Tiny, fine, medium, and thick, like that Audrey Hepburn yeah. tick. You find the eyeliner and you buy the brush size that fits you. So with, with like eye socketing, I watch these YouTubers and they're doing that eye cut crease, what they call it, the contour yeah. socket line. And they pull out the Mac 2 one said, yes, it's great, but that's a very wide socket. Yes. And that's, for men, it's perfect. Drag queen, perfect. Uh-huh. Big sockets. But if you've got a tiny face and mm. you want to create a little, t- so you've got to find the techniques you mm. like and the brushes that fit you. So you're basically fitting brushes to your face. Yeah. So it's all about finding, you don't have, you don't have to have a hundred. Yeah. Eight to ten's all you'll ever need for your own self personally. But just find the ones that fit you. So in Australia they sell at Mecca and I feel yes. they're at home there. The artists are so highly trained and you they get really fit are. to your face. Yeah. Um you've you've basically just answered it, but I was going to ask for the every man, what are the brushes we have to have? But I suppose it's really Depends. a personal thing. Yeah. If you don't wear eyeliner, don't buy. I, I mean, look, my essential, my radiance brush is my favourite. Lady Gaga mm. ordered a set for her makeup artist. That was, sorry, Dot did I say that out there? That's my well, Lady Gaga, moment. she's just like a small up and comer. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Actually, Guido, he orders them for Fashion Week Paris. He were, they were photographed back. Oh yeah, I know, Alexander McQueen, he used them. Oh, um, oh it's Dita Von Teese, Queen of Guitar. 
has ordered them wow. uh, China Vogue just it's funny you know like th- while I'm talking about this the reason why I don't send them out to every blogger for reviews because I'm this is made by the world's number one artist yeah. like it's like to me, it's like getting a Picasso painting and giving it mm. to an up-and-coming artist for critique. It's like, no, no. No, no, no. They're, it's the Bugatti Veyron, Peter Phillips, Val Garland, Mario. All of them tell me they're the best brushes they've ever used. Yeah. I know they are. They're made by a master. I love them. If you don't like them, that's your opinion. But yeah. I know they're amazing. So, As do I. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, yeah, it's something I'm extremely, extremely um, yeah, proud of. As you should Having be. those tools, yeah. So it's now been 25 years since that fateful encounter in Istanbul yeah. and oh, the <laughs> the makeup industry has changed so much, even yeah. in the last, you know, five odd More years. More so in the last five years, I think. Well, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen with the way that women apply their makeup? I think one thing I'd say, I'd actually, I was talking about this only yesterday, I'd be really scared to start makeup right now because it's a different uh-huh. world. Um, the thing is... It's very different because there's two very different schools of thought now. Yes. There's the traditional Instagram makeup that's, you know, very heavy. Heavy cream contour. Heavy cream contour and and light highlighting to the point of it does look silly when you walk into a yep. dark room where there is no light. It's mm-hmm. just it's just it, um, yeah, but you know what? It's it's all about taste. And yeah. you know, what I say now, you'll have your tribes and you'll have your taste. Um where what I do love, I do love that there is so much information out there. Like I remember mm. 10, 20 years ago, I'd be doing lectures on makeup and you'd say to women who feels confident doing their makeup and not one hand would go up because mm-hmm. there was professional makeup artists, a big gap, and then you'd have people in store who probably are good but didn't have the training. Yeah. So there's a big gap of women who got lost. So now you've got, if you want to do heavy or full-on makeup i love how there's so much education out there um there's so much imagery out there um i think it's it, i'm liking it more now because we are starting to see a lot of heavy instagram faces. it's getting a bit boring yes. um, it, it scares me because it's People so heavy on to all look the same as yeah well. and on the wrong age group like yeah. when you're seeing that on such young girls it's it's a little bit frightening to me and also it's teaching girls i mean i, I would hate to be single and 16 and dating because they put on this face that's not themselves, so yeah. they get they get rewarded. Especially, I look at new Instagram. I'm talking the young, the teenage yeah. kids. They respond to how many likes they get, and the more different they make themselves, the more the more positive enforcement yeah. they get. So they start to think that's who I am. That's people love that that makeup. So then, when they go out on dates, I mean, I love the ones that take all their makeup off and see before and after. Yeah. It just worries me that they're getting. Um, they're getting the attention for when they look so not like themselves. Mm. It just it worries me a little bit with confidence. Yeah, I think as well when you go to schools now, I read oh, somewhere yeah. that the, the most common when you say, what do you want to be when oh, you grow up? a YouTuber. YouTuber. Oh, it's frightening. And what makes that so frightening? It is so self-indulgent. And this is what scares me. If you look at, if you look at the psychology of YouTube, no matter pretty much what topic it's all about what do i get what in what am i getting for Mm. free how many likes do i get and they're checking constantly how many who commented what who's saying what who's saying this circles back to what you were saying about would you be doing this if no one was watching and who and and also people don't say what they really feel behind Mm. them so you're getting like i remember i remember lauren curtis she was i didn't realize how big she was when i shot her for my book and yeah and I remember walking out with her somewhere, I don't know what, and these girls were sc- screaming, crying. Wow. And and I was talking to my therapist, my 
about this and what he was saying a lot of the successful ones because they talk to a girl like they're their best friend so yeah. these kids at school who maybe get bullied who don't have that they're not in the cool group yeah. get to feel they're in this cool group with this girl in her bedroom I love that but then also they aren't developing the social skills because when they meet yeah. these people out they really believe that they're their best friend which is fantastic but I, mm. I, I'm concerned for the long term I'm concerned it's very sexualized I'm yes. concerned it is a, there's a lot of sluttiness in it yeah. um the l- language that young girls are clicking of the fingers that mm. I'm seeing 13 and 14 year olds saying that my eyeliner is so lit and it's I'm like oh, oh my goodness that's cute I don't um, know how to use that in context yeah so. and it's very there's like a lot of the because two have been so flooded with this Instagram face now for who can be the most dramatic or the yeah. most so it's just I think it's I hope my daughter like <laughs> um yeah but the great thing about it, it does separate us as well yeah. there's more room if you want to do what I do yeah the Instagram world is quite flooded now and hopefully people will have to do something a bit different yeah. to stand out I think the difference with the Laurens and the Chloe's is that they've been doing it for so long yeah yeah, yeah. and they they started with an authentic and they're very balanced too yeah. in what they do on social media but yeah it's it is really scary yeah it is well, really scary I think the, the self-obsession other, yeah you're going to validate yourself with someone mm. else. How many likes? What happens if you're an incredible... I mean, did Mother Teresa worry? I'm not, not doing the extreme <laughs> count, but I mean, do you only value how good you are by how many likes you get on a picture? That's yeah. what's sad. That's often in the back of my head what happens if Instagram were to stop existing I wish tomorrow. It, I wish it did. For, even the yeah. bullying, even that. Oh, I mean, we're yuck. in an epidemic of horrendous... Like, yeah. it's it's terrifying. It terrifying is. what it's I mean the, the fact that it's even if you're not that pretty or you don't look like someone and I mean I'm I'm actually dedicating myself a lot um I'm trying to do a lot with suicide prevention with teenagers and just it's really, really, really I'm at the moment we're going to be working with um a group that help all these asylum seekers like we've got teenage wow. women who've grown up who are trying to get them into the workforce mm. and yeah and so even though I'm a makeup artist I'm trying to take yeah, the makeup glamour away from it yeah. and talk about yeah. That's such a beautiful thing to be doing. We have we have to. We yeah. owe it to you know. We got to we got to protect the children. We do. We do. It's really. Um. I feel really blessed that I'm so lucky. I grew up in a time where that wasn't. Yeah. I'd hate. I mean, I think. Imagine if I had all that Instagram. What kind of makeup artist? I might have ended up being someone who, who just knows? did that and didn't do much else. Um. But I hope these kids do something with their fame yeah. too. I you know, so they're getting paid a lot of money. Um. You know. Oh. Let's hope they start some great mm. charities and. And do something great for the world. Let's hope, yeah. Well, one of the positive things that has come out of all of that, which you did mention, is how much education and information and stuff is out there and how accessible all of that is. Do you find, as someone who has a brand, that consumers are demanding more from beauty brands? Yep. more. And you know what we're finding too? And this thing um, I've noticed that something that's done a big turnaround, that used to be that, like, mothers would help their daughters, like, Mm -hmm. with makeup and things like that, and... And they're expecting more. They're expecting the truth more. And I think it's just about it, they're getting people to be more honest, which I yeah. kind of I love that. I really do. Um, and also, you but you're seeing also a flip. You're seeing the daughters bringing in their mothers to buy things or getting them yes. to do face masks and like it's a it's a big turnaround. Like yeah. the daughters are helping their mothers so the other way around. Um, but I think the honesty um, is happening. But also, there's there's a, the flip side of that too. I think. Um, the great thing it's exposing this whole paying people for posts and i've just been yes. hearing about recently you probably heard about people get paid to bag a brand and 
I did not know about yeah, this. Yeah, people get told... One of my friends, I can't mention her name, she showed me an email where she got offered double the money to slam a brand. Yeah. Good God. Yeah, so, and it's out there and it's like... And it's really... I don't think it's hit any other industry like makeup. Like, you don't no. see this happening in the hair. The thing in the hair world's protected because you actually have to be a hairdresser and cut hair. There yeah. needs to be training. But um, I think with brands, the, the, the only sad thing is because there's so much more money... Like, for example, if I look at all my extended family they might own one mascara with youtube now they own 20 yeah. naked palettes and 50 <laughs> they own so much makeup so everyone's bringing out a range mm-hmm. hence why i've been asked to do one i don't want to bring out the foundation there's too much foundation in the planet right now mm-hmm. so we have been uh, saturated with a lot of it so i i think you know people got more choice now people got more information the only thing i'm i'm aware of don't trust what people say about brands yeah. Don't trust what people say because the foundation doesn't work on their skin or it, it doesn't mean it's... I've seen like mascaras. Yeah. I was told by L'Oreal when they bring out a mascara, 50% will take the best mm-hmm. mascara they've ever used. Other 50% are the worst one they've ever used. Yeah. So a lot of it is personal This taste. is why I don't slag off brands because yep. in my head I'm thinking if I say this doesn't work for me... Yeah. I could potentially be turning someone yeah. off what could be the, the miracle oh, exactly. skin cells exactly. that they've been looking for. Absolutely. Mm. That's what I, I, I cringe when I see um, the, the probably not so knowledge ones do foundation reviews because yeah. they put foundation on and as they're applying it, they're saying what they think. I personally don't believe foundation comes to life until it's been on the skin for 20 minutes. Completely. If okay. you have a mattifying foundation, it looks shiny for 10 yeah. minutes. It looks really shiny. <laughs> And then in 20 minutes, the whole thing, the powder, the silicons of, and the whole thing is a different face. Mm. That's why when I do base, I do it, I let it sit there because it doesn't, yeah, it changes. Yeah, I go and do something else. Yeah. I'll clean my teeth. Completely and then come changes. Back to it. Yeah. It just drives me nuts. So, yeah. Yeah. So, a collection of brushes, six books, four makeup artists of the year wins. And that's when no, I, I don't enter competitions, by the way. I, there you go. People, because you have to enter, and I. I sometimes I probably shouldn't say this, but how do the wins I, come about? Do they, they just they used to be sent to they had thirty judges. They were all beauty editors from magazines. I was Vogue editor. Yeah. it's really great. And you had to have to win editorial. You had to have what published that year, mm-hmm. and you were judged on what was published that year. Right. And they were all industry experts, like they were all uh-huh. magazine editors, yeah. fashion editors. And look, I I I shouldn't say it because I have a lot of friends that enter, but I don't like the award system as much now because. They're only judging who enters it. Yeah. So if four people enter and someone wins, yes, it might to a potential client you've won Makeup Artist of the Year. But if but, only four mm. people have entered, I know makeup artists who, who deserve so many awards but they don't enter. So when I say I won, I won it at a time where I never entered. A different, yeah. Yeah, I just don't. It's like because it's not entered like if and I you know I honestly I, I don't want to enter now once I enter with two of my assistants and one of them wins it oh my goodness oh my they're gonna go they're gonna brag I don't I'm too scared so yeah awards I'm mm. I'm a little bit mm. we did win however mm. good design award for my brushes that oh, there you means go. a lot I don't know I didn't know that but all the designers say that's a really big deal so we got the big tick and got sent oh, the trophy didn't even go to the night and think it was that big a deal oh you got a trophy got a trophy go. got a big oh. green tick good design that in the pool, I know right? well that's an impressive list of accolades so Thank my you. last question Ray what is next well I've just launched my clear powder mm-hmm. that's been on the um, so it's an invisible clear powder there was a product many years ago from Italy by mm-hmm. Medina 
that we'd have to bike. They could never ship it. It used yeah. to crack a little bit. And you'd have to bike to be on the shows in Paris. It was so amazing. It would map down Sudanese skin to albino skin. And back and forth, I've been saying, can I do something with you? Can you make this powder for me? And then they eventually gave me their formula and said, we're not doing this anymore. Have it. Yeah. So we had to stabilize it. So we spent four years upgrading the silicons and upgrading the ingredients. So this thing is a game changer. It mattifies Sudanese skin to albino white skin. I'm going to put some on you in a moment undetectable with the macro lens um and people say is there more makeup not really unless it's like my whole thing unless it's groundbreaking first to market Mm. um different universal not going to do it but i am going to be spending a lot more time in new york have an agent there and i've i want to spend a bit of time going back in the amazing fashion editorial world which i love so much and you know books are done i can just go and become that creative artist that i love to be and who knows that's just my daughter's four i've got two years before she goes to school so i'm oh. going to be in new york and spend a bit of time and i want to go back to japan do some more brushes as well he's 80 i've got to get as much out of him yes i want to yeah i'm yeah. going to film a documentary actually going to do, like, a bit wow. like that um dream of sushi yeah, I watched yeah. that and I thought this man like he's made kabuki brushes and kabuki brushes are the best artists in the world um, he's just incredible to think there's that a he's story to living tell. art yeah living artist so we're going to go and do a whole documentary on and watch him make a break it's incredible so we're going to do that as well and who knows whatever whatever happens happens that was Ray Morris who you can find on Instagram at Ray Morris Makeup or via her website raymorris.com. To read my interview with Ray, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us and join the Glow Journal family. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me. Thank you.